Uncommon Sense Advice on your work life, your personal life, and God knows what else. Welcome to How to Do Life with Dr. Marty Nemco. Well, in the latest of my experiments, I want to try to share with you in roughly, I don't know, 20 minutes, a half hour, everything I know that's important that is in my core area of expertise. Career, we're going to talk about how to choose a career, how to land a job, how to succeed on the job, how to be self successfully self-employed. And then I know something about uh, how to meet a romantic partner. Uh, and that's what I'm going to do. I'm just, but I deliberately decided to let, I've been doing this for a million years, to without preparation see what bubbles to the top of my brain because that may be what's most important. That may be a useful filter. It may fail, but maybe it's good. Let's give it a shot. So, um, choosing a career. I think there are a number... We, I, I don't know what causes it, but we like to think that there is this perfectly well-matched career. And that's simply not true. In, in general, as long as it's within a general range, in other words, if you're uh, quite... you know, the kind of person who would do well in a white-collar career, uh, or a blue-collar career, or a word-centric career, or people-centric career, or a data-centric career. You know, beyond those very broad categories, it really doesn't matter much which career. It's more a matter of which job you end up in. Whether you've got a decent boss, decent co-workers, ethical work, reasonable workload that's, you know, challenging but not too challenging, both in quantity and difficulty. Um, you know, reasonable job security. Most people don't like to go running around. So I think we spend too much time choosing a career. Uh, at the risk of being anti-intellectual, I think you could do far worse in choosing a career to simply go online and Google Occupational Outlook Handbook, and they have nice authoritative profiles of 300 careers that are the most popular. And simply looking through the index and picking a few and read those profiles and then Google that, that career. Let's say you come up with geologist. After you've read that, you know, that one page, you Google geologist careers and you'll learn more. Um, you'll learn a lot in, in almost no time and then focus your efforts on landing a good job with the aforementioned good characteristics. Or, and I swear, I feel bad. This is, it seems self-serving, but I really could give a crap. I get almost no money per book sold. So it's, I do believe I wrote this book for this very purpose. It's called Careers for Dummies, in which I outline, I think, 350 different careers, much more briefly, but um, I, what's the word? I guess more accessibly, and you know, for the buy it, use for a few bucks, or get it in the library. But I think just scanning through that, which you can do in an hour, can also identify careers and self-employment opportunities uh, that you wouldn't have thought of. And it enables you to really consider a lot of options rather than the usual, well, I'm, I'm great in science, so I'm going to be a doctor, I'm, I'm, I'm a big mouth, and I like to argue, so I'm going to be a lawyer kind of thing. So that's really all I want to say about choosing a career. In terms of landing the job, um, the first thing that comes to mind is that one size doesn't fit all. Uh, there are some people who are great schmoozers and networkers, and they're the ones who are always going to get their jobs by contacting their network or even cold calling. Some people are terrified of cold calling. Others find it no big deal. Um, but there are other people, disproportionately introverts or people who are brought up in, to not be too willful, who just aren't going to do that well, who are not prepossessing, either verbally or visually. 
And so all their all their networking is probably going to just lower their self-esteem and not get them enough of a uh, uh, enough benefit. You won't get really great job leads. People are polite. They may meet with you or, or may not meet with you, but if they do, they may be nice and say, I'll do what I can to find something for you. But generally, if your track record is to not do very well in the networking sphere, you probably need to uh, do the traditional, which is not fun, and there's a lot of rejection, but it is just looking hard through all the uh, the major employment websites like LinkedIn and Indeed uh, or any sites that are in your your particular profession and apply to the ones where you really are a good fit and try to avoid using job seeker jargon because it just feels like BS and often is BS. Tell your story. I like the term. Tell your true human story in your cover letter. And if the application website doesn't allow a space for a cover letter, just append it directly to the resume. There's always, they always allow you to send your resume. Tell your true human story, your strengths, your weaknesses. And don't think I'm being naive. I think in the end, if you're really straightforward about your strengths and weaknesses, you'll end up getting rejected from the wrong jobs, gain the respect of everybody interviewing you, and you'll be accepted for the A right job, although it may take you longer because we live in a world of BS where they expect you're going to be doing BS. So if you're radically honest, you you know it may take longer to get a job, but ultimately, I, I truly believe, I'm not just saying this to be sanctimonious, I think you will be happier and more successful, as I said, because you're going to get accepted for the jobs that, that you really could do a great job in. Okay, that's all I want to say about, uh, about landing a job. Because resumes and tweaking and all that, it's easy for people to tweak their resume because it feels concrete. And it's a good activity to help inventory your strengths. That's great. But too much time on that is usually a waste of time. I want to now talk about self-employment. It's very hard to be self-employed, especially, you know, if you're trying to do things on the, you know, legally. There's so much paperwork, so much taxation, so many requirements. So it is very difficult. So it's critical to keep your business simple. And also, you're going to, most people, even great business people, make big mistakes. So you want a business that doesn't require a lot of money to start. And my favorites are these one-person businesses where you're not having to hire somebody, which is expensive, and don't have to rent out a store, either providing a service or product online, or a, a very, a, a very, you know, my favorite thing, I, I've, I'm almost embarrassed that it's been so many years that I've come up with this, and I can't come up with a better one. If somebody said, Marty, you've got to make a few million dollars within 10 years, uh, and you got to do it self-employed. What I would do is I would uh, get used carts and I would sell and I would put them near mass transit stations and I would sell non-perishable, non-food items because that requires again a lot of both regulation requirements which are huge and uh, also uh, there's perishability problems. I'd be selling products that were seasonal, you know, if, if it's a, a, a sports crazy part of the country, like in the South, I'd be selling, you know, football and basketball uh, caps and t-shirts and the like. Uh, in the rain, I'd be in rainy weather, I'd be selling uh, umbrellas and scarves and beanies and stuff like that. Around Valentine's Day, I'd be having gift baskets. You get the picture. Of course, you, we don't, you know, it's, uh, it wouldn't be fun at all to be doing that all the time, and that's not the goal. The goal is you work there for a little while yourself. Oh, by the way, there's another version of this I really like, which is in, in the lobby of a, a big office building. 
where you're selling these little gift things, not at a, in, a, in a, a rentable space, but in, they often have large lobbies, and in the corner you can have your cart. It doesn't cost the, the, the owner of the building or the manager any money, and you've got prime real estate. It's weather-resistant, obviously, if you're inside. So I love that idea for, for being successfully self-employed because it's low expenses. You can have fairly high profit margin if you buy right. Um, it's completely ethical. And, uh, you know, you clone it. That's it. Yeah, that's what I was saying. Yeah, you don't, you're not, you don't want to be sitting in it in this, you're running that all the time. So you do it, you do the first cart yourself so you can really understand the business from the inside. And then you get a trusted friend or relative to, to uh, staff the second cart. Um, and then you keep cloning it until you've made enough money. You don't want to be so big that it, you're, it lowers the quality or it just is overwhelming. So, you know, normally you'll want to, you know, stop after you've made a couple hundred thousand bucks a year. You know, everybody's goal is a little different, but whatever. Something not crazy. And then if you want to keep building, maybe you want to keep building it to, you know, maybe you then want to sell it. So maybe you'll get, go for, uh, leave, have six or eight stores. Okay, so... Yeah, you know, don't make it too big. Keep the quality control. Treat your workers well. Price fairly. If you if you buy right, you can have enough profit margin, with it, whilst remaining completely ethical. And that's all I want to say about self-employment. I'm going to take a, just a brief break, and when I come back, I'm going to uh, talk a little bit about relationships, finding a romantic relationship, and I think I'll talk a little bit about parenting and a little bit about teaching. Uh, so hope you'll stay with me. You're listening to How to Do Life with career and personal coach, Dr. Marty Nemco. If you'd like to work with him, email him a description of your situation, mnemco at comcast.net. That's M-N-E-M-K-O at comcast.net. Marty is pleased if you choose to subscribe to this podcast. If you're not listening to this on Simplecast, just go to how-to-life.simplecast and click on listen and subscribe. I do thank you for staying with me, and as promised, just doing off the top of my head with absolutely zero preparation, my thoughts on uh, the things that are in my core expertise as a career counselor. I have had 6,000 clients, and I'm, 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 I'm a thorough worker. I work long hours and read. You know, when I'm not seeing clients, I'm reading and I'm writing. So there should, after all these years, there should be enough that I can just say that's bubbled up to the top of my brain to be of value to you. Before the break, we talked about career stuff. In this uh, half, we're going to talk about relationships. So in terms of meeting people, uh, if you want to meet a romantic partner, again, one size does not fit all. So you might, first of all, start by writing, just making a list of what really are your quintessential characteristics. Just put a few words down, the good and the bad, because ultimately your romantic partner needs to accept you in a totality. What are the things that are really important and moderately important in your, in your romantic partner for the long term? I'm not here. I'm not going to sh talk about hooking up for the night. I'm talking about long-term relationships. And then I guess the only other thing that's really important is where do you, do where, where do you think you would be most likely to meet them? There's advantages and disadvantages of all approaches. We'll take them one at a time. The advantage of relationship ads, you know, online is that there are millions of people on there. And so you have you know, all those fish in the sea. Well, you, you're able to curate them quite readily. The problem is there's a lot of lying. 
uh, deception of what people's careers are, whether, whether their pictures are current, all that crap. And you have to end up sifting through that. But my big advice about any way you're meeting a guy is to, usually you can trust your first instincts. You can learn a lot about how kind, how intelligent, right? and when there's chemistry, uh, very quickly. If they're too forward or too rude or they just the chemistry is not there or uh, they seem too self-absorbed, cut your losses. You know, this no, we're not infinitely malleable and there are a lot of fish in the sea. So, but especially online where it's so easy to, you know, reach out. And I, by the way, I encourage reaching out rather than waiting for them to reach you. That way you have more agency. You're picking the people that really call out to you rather than saying, oh, I think I'll respond to this person who responded to who, who queried you. No, you do the reaching out. It's worth the time. And as I said, do acknowledge not just your strengths, but your weaknesses. I've been with my wife, it's 49 years this month, but if I were single, I would acknowledge certain strengths and weaknesses. Um, I, I don't want to brag, so I won't say my strengths, but certainly my weaknesses are that I'm intense, uh, that I work long hours, and like somebody who's got a very busy career too, and the kindness and intelligence are both very important to me. And self-sufficiency. I don't want to be the beast of burden. I want both of us to contribute to the family income. And from there, it would be about uh, chemistry. And again, that kindness thing is a big deal for me. So um, that's what I want to say about how to meet somebody. And, oh, yeah, so I would really be acknowledging those weaknesses too. And that, that will filter out all the wrong people and filter in somebody who would be compatible with me. And I get that, and that way I get to know it up front. Of course, there are certain non-negotiables, you know, I would not date a smoker. You know, so write down your non-negotiables. And then, you know, depends how important it is. You know, that some people, I'm seeing more and more people happy solo. So, you know, for some people it's, oh, I got it. The next thing I do, I've got to get married. I have to have kids. Well, yeah, that's fine if that's who you are, but don't do it because that's the norm. Many people decided they're happier solo, maybe doing occasional dating or having platonic friends, which is great. There's no right or wrong. It's lovely to be able to uh, go to sleep when you want, eat what you want, eat when you want, to do the watch what you want on TV, uh, sleep at the cut temperature you want, see people when you want rather than when if you're married or in a, in a live-in relationship you're 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 that choice is taken away from you but there's no right or wrong there's some people who don't feel complete without a romantic relationship they love the connecting every day when they come home they love the routines the regular sex etc so now a word about parenting the first word that comes to mind which is a word that will probably turn you off is guilt i think one of the jobs of a parent is to do two things. Yes, to give gentle bits of praise for unusually good behavior and not to punish when they have misbehavior, but to invoke guilt. Uh, what I mean by that is not, you know, deep, painful, religious guilt. I'm saying something like, and I like to use this example because it's quite innocuous. Let's say you call your kid in from uh, to come to dinner or you told him to clean his room three he did it three times and he he didn't do it he's three times rather than punish him rather than ignore i like the idea of invoking a bit of guilt which is building intrinsic motivation saying something like johnny i know you want to be a good member of this family and i've called you in three times okay come on 
So that invokes a little bit of guilt. And the tone of voice was not con confrontive. It doesn't, it's not oppositional. We're on the same side of the table, but I'm invoking a little quiet guilt. It's not like the old Jewish girl, I'm going to put my head in the oven if you don't do this or whatever. It's, it's, it's in your tone and in your words. And then, you know, as kids are not grown up, sometimes you, if you're not lucky, you don't get to have a very uh, agreeable child because, nah, I want to watch my show or, you know, or I'll do it later. You know, that's when you want to try to avoid getting into this long conflict and just make a little face of dismay and then walk out. You've made your point clearly and minimally confronting and you've invoked intrinsic motivation, which is so critical because when the kids, as they get older in high school and especially in college, there's not going to be you there to be the policeman and policewoman. And if they internalize values of responsibility, integrity, you know, hard work, all the rest of it, they're going to carry that with them for the rest of their life. If instead they're, they're only complying because they're afraid you're going to punish them or yell at them or whatever, then when they're away from your watchful eye, they're more likely to, uh, to rebel in ways you wish they didn't. So that's what I want to say about parenting. And as I said, I think I want to keep it, I want to keep it short. So uh, I'm going to summarize, see if I can really quickly say, so the essence of, we talked about how to choose a career, doesn't need to be that complex. Scan the index, indexes of the free Occupational Outlook Handbook. It's available online and or my book, Careers for Dummies. Uh, and then just, you know, reading up on those is probably better than even talking to somebody. It's a great way to choose a career because what counts is not so much the career, it can, as long as it's in the general ballpark of, you know, word-centric or data-centric or solo or people-centric or whatever. Once it's in that general category, and it's of a certain level, you know, white-collar saver versus blue-collar, what's going to count is, do you have a good boss? Do you have good co-workers? Is the work ethical? Is it moderately difficult but not too difficult? Is it is there the hours substantial but not too much? Uh, and is there reasonable job security? And pay is reasonable. It's much, I believe, after having been a career counselor, really thousands of clients over many years, that it, it, it needn't be much more complicated than that. Regarding landing the job, one size does not fit all. Networkers should network. Uh, but people who are not need to really do a good job of uh, curating the, the myriad ads that are available on aggregator websites like Indeed and LinkedIn, as well as in your professional association's website. And then write a thoughtful, honest cover letter, which you can append to your resume if it's uh, if they don't have a special space for a cover letter. And then in the interviews, radical honesty, outlining your strengths, your weaknesses, and your preferences. You'll get rejected from the wrong jobs, accepted from the right ones. And you'll feel great about yourself. Well, we didn't talk about succeeding on the job. Geez, I'll do that now. So in the end, success on the job, what does it depend on? On-ramping is really important. Speaking to your boss and asking, you know, what are you really hoping I'm going to accomplish in these 30 days? What do I need to know about working with you so we can work successfully together? Every boss is a little different. Talk, try to get one-on-ones with your coworkers and ask them, what should I know about this working here that, that wouldn't appear in the employee handbook? That's a great way to learn about, um, to get the lay of the land before you step in it. Generally, it's better to start, even if you want to make a great impression, don't work too many hours because that will be what the expectation is. And don't try to hit a home run right away. You could do a lot worse than spend a lot of time listening. Spend a lot of time listening in the beginning. 
and then try to get some wins. Ideally, visible wins so that, you know, yes, sometimes the boss is going to steal the credit or whatever, but, you know, bring up your ideas at meetings, send drafts of your, uh, your, your brilliant concept or your report to other people for, quote, for feedback, but you're also letting them know it was your idea. You know, do little things. Yes, you, unfortunately, I hate it, but you have to normally cultivate, you don't have to be buddy-buddy, but cultivate respectful relationships with everybody. Ask if you've got a little extra bandwidth, ask, can I help you out? If, you, if there's a boss you'd love to work for saying, you know, I've heard great things about you. If you ever need some, an extra pair of hands on a project, I'd, I'd, I'd welcome it. And then it's important to learn public speaking. How to run a meeting uh, very crisply, setting an agenda in advance, keeping on topic, uh, scheduling it right before lunch because people want to get out, making a brief meeting, standing meetings, 30-minute, 30, 30 20-minute meetings while you're standing. If somebody's dominating, as soon as you, they catch their breath for air, Say, I think we've got your point, paraphrase it, and go on to, and have somebody else do it. That's a really great skill, running a meeting. And public speaking in general. You could do far worse than to go to Toastmasters. They're, it's free, and it uh, teaches you public speaking. But in short, I'm not a big fan of scripting. I'm a big fan of being authentic, like I'm trying to be with you here. Write down, and this I didn't even do it in this case, but feel free to write down a few key words, the milestones of your little talk, if it's a, whether it's a two-minute toast at a wedding or a 20-minute presentation. Just have a few milestone words to keep you on point. Sure, you're going to want to practice using that until you're smoother, if, if you're not naturally smooth at that. But that's far better than scripting, which is, you know, presidents have to script because everything they say could be used against them in such an enormous way. But generally, the price you pay for scripting is too great in terms of loss of chemistry between you and the audience. And you can be more relaxed if you really do, and it's easier said than done. But if you accept that people have been giving talks for millions of years and most of it's forgotten, do the best you can being authentic. And if somebody doesn't like you or you screw up or you forgot some other thing, the world doesn't end. Like remember, just, just before, I didn't remember that I had to do this section on, uh, on how to succeed at work. But it came to me right here at the summary, and so there we go. I gave it to you. The world's not going to end. I did my best. It wasn't perfect. I'm not going to re-record this. I'm going to use it just like this. Anyway, back to the summary. Relationships, in terms of meeting a romantic partner, again, one size does not fit all. Some people would be wise to use, use dating apps and reach out to people rather than wait for them to reach out to you. Others would be better at being set up. Uh, we didn't talk about that, but... If you have a good network of people who might be able to set you up, use that. And I'm not a big fan of going to bars or even dances, but rather uh, some uh, something that uh, you will meet on a repeated basis, say uh, taking a class or volunteering at some organization, that gives you a chance to see the person uh, ongoing. And of course, at work, you have to be careful about uh, dating your boss or your supervisee. But under the right circumstances, you, it's really good to meet a romantic partner or worker. You see them day in and day out. In a, you can go slow and really see what they're like. A little bit I talked about parenting. The key to parenting, I believe, is, yes, gently praising the good. And instead of punishing or yelling with the bad, if you can control it, to try to invoke a little bit of what I call intrinsic motivation, or more controversially, the word would be guilt. But, you know, I'm a little disappointed in you, whatever. I told you to clean your room three times, and you said you would, and you didn't. I know you can do better than that, and then letting it go. Anyway, that's the world's shortest course in living. Uh, it could have been a total failure, but 25, 26 minutes of your time. I don't know. I welcome, certainly welcome your, your comments. Uh, if, was this worth your time? Was the authenticity of the, and the informality uh, worth it? 
I'm more than capable of having written an outline and staying right with the outline. But I decided to, to, uh, to see what came out of my head, out of my brain and mouth, uh, like this. I'm Marty Nemco. You've been listening to How to Do Life with Dr. Marty Nemco. For comments on the show or to consult with Dr. Marty Nemco, his email address is mnemko at comcast.net. Post-production of How to Do Life by Terry Rouse. Music by Blue Dot Session. Thanks for listening.